0: Well, actually, my favorite thing is when we do the sound check. That's always a lot of fun. Okay. Welcome back to the D3 Datacast. Matt, we're excited about this one. You know, the, the Michigan air is turning a little crisp in the mornings and in the evenings. And we're not quite getting into season mode here. But uh, for those of you who have been following the channel through the offseason, you know, we've been doing a lot of... Um, card openings with our Division Three Basketball Trading Card Series and a couple other little topics. And we have one more episode to finish up our over 500-card set on the Division Three Basketball Trading Cards, Matt. So there is that yet to come. But kind of with this episode, we're starting to kind of take a half step maybe into getting back into season mode, a little bit of a little season anticipation mode, maybe you would say.
1: It's, it's great to be back, Zach. It's September. It's getting it's the fall transition, as you said. With the new rules in place in Division Three this year, teams have started practice already, starting to get going a little bit sooner with some of their practice days. It's right around the corner. I'm excited for our um, our, our cadence to begin for our regular episodes, just right around the corner here. So, Division Three basketball fans, we got you covered in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, love a good cadence. So that that's what you can expect coming up here. Hey, if you've uh, if you've been joining us for a while, like what we're doing. Be sure to click the subscribe button on YouTube. And uh, if this is your first episode, check us out if you like what you see and want to see more Division Three basketball coverage from the D3 Datacast. Click the subscribe button on YouTube. And also, Matt, we, we keep needing to mention, we do have audio-only versions available. Um, we are distributing to Spotify, Apple, Google. Got the big boys going there. So, um, yeah, whatever your favorite podcasting app is, check for us on uh on there by searching D3 Datacast. Do it. So, so Matt, here we talked about, you know, we're kind of taking a half step into season mode here. So we're going to start with one of the really big questions that people often ask, or maybe it's a question that people haven't even thought to ask. And we'll go through some of the reasons why it's kind of a good question to ask here uh, as it pertains to not only Division three basketball, but kind of Division three sports overall. And Matt, that's what is the deal with the Coast to Coast Conference?
1: That sounds like a Jerry Seinfeld setup, Zach. What's the deal with the Coast to Coast Conference?
0: Yeah, so so the Coast to Coast Conference is uh, one maybe you've heard of. I mean, the defending men's basketball champion Christopher Newport captains reside in the Coast to Coast Conference. But um, if unless you followed their season or follow some of the other teams in the conference very closely, you may not uh, really understand just how different of a conference the Coast to Coast Conference is. Um, And like we said, it's a, it's a, it's a new, there's the captains right there. It is a newer conference because it was formed in 2020 uh, as a merger, Matt, next slide please, of the uh, former Capital Athletic Conference and the American Collegiate Athletic Association. So the CAC and the uh, ACAA got together as uh, their numbers were kind of dwindling. Uh, We have sort of the remnant of the CAC and like the Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, Salisbury, uh, kind of uh, a group there. so I think Matt, people tend to think of the coast to coast as like the remnant of the old capital athletic conference. Uh, but really it was formed as a merger between these two conferences and the unique aspects of the coast to coast really come from the, uh, ACAA influence. Um, now Matt, we're in an era of college sports where conference names typically don't actually mean anything, right? The big 10 can have, you know, 14, 16, 20, whatever number of teams. Now coast to coast is, is true to their name. Um, going from the Atlantic coast all the way to the Pacific coast with uh, UC Santa Cruz. Now to be truly coast to coast, Matt, uh, the the closure of Finlandia means that they lost that, uh, that Northern great lakes coast and there is no uh, Gulf coast presence. So there is not the, the North to South coast to coast, but uh, we'll give them uh, full credit for at least being uh, bi-coastal in terms of Atlantic and Pacific.
1: And, and Mount Mary, uh, a women's school is proximate to the, Lake Michigan coast. So we lost that Lake Superior coast, the north coast of the United States. Uh, two to be determined if we want to count Lake Michigan. But yes, no Gulf coast, only really two of the main coasts represented here. Uh, that's why they're called the Coast 2 Coast Conference, though.
0: Right, Matt. And if you click your mouse, I think we'll get a little uh, more information here, just uh, again highlighting that the league was formed by the, uh, the merger of those two conferences mentioned. Yeah. And you you mentioned Mount Mary, Matt. So currently the membership is seven full members. Six are co-educational uh, uh, institutions with one being women only. So on the men's side, we're, we're talking about six schools. And on the women's side, we're talking about seven.
1: Yeah, and so that merger um, really retained the Capital Athletic Conference's automatic bid. The ACAA never really had an automatic bid. Uh, it sort of had this... Kind of coast-to-coasty feel, where teams were kind of all over the place. Although to me, that was a little bit more—it um, seemed a little bit more random in nature. Maybe teams that were newer to Division Three. So some of the members were uh, Finlandia, who had joined the Coast-to-Coast Conference and then unfortunately had to close this past year. But like Valley Forge, Maine, Presque Isle, Pine Manor, SUNY Canton, Alfred State, and then UC Santa Cruz didn't join the ACAA. Until its final season, right before it kind of merged into the Capital Athletic Conference, um, the Capital Athletic Conference was more of a true Division Three conference, regional in nature. Some of those former me- members were York, Pennsylvania, now in like the MAC Commonwealth, I think. St. Mary's, Maryland, in the AEC. Wesley, which closed after 2021. Frostburg State went to Division II. Uh, Marymount went to the AEC. Uh, Southern Virginia was there for a while. I think Penn State Harrisburg, now in the UEC, was there. Uh, But teams were kind of leaving for other conferences for probably various different reasons. And um, suddenly you have kind of these core three teams left. I think it was Christopher Newport, Mary Washington Salisbury, like you mentioned. And they're going to lose their automatic bid. And I think that's kind of where the conversations started about, Hey, forming this larger conference to maintain that automatic bid. I think largely is, is what we see in division three, some of that conference shuffling um, uh, is is there to, to get access to the pool, a automatic qualifying to to championships uh, and to retain those bids. So that's kind of, kind of what happened there when these two conferences merged. And I don't think um, ACAA really was on a direct path to getting that pool a themselves.
0: Right, so it was a little bit of a merger of convenience for both sides, and like you said, really, I mean, yeah. the uh, really it was the uh, ACAA merging into the capital that retains the the pool a and then they go through the rebrand for the, the, the new conference here. So we mentioned there, there, you look at the map here we have on the screen and there's a little bit of regionality with kind of what's left of the capital athletic conference schools, but outside of that, it's, it's all over the place. And so we mentioned that there's some kind of different things that came into play, uh, from the ACAA side that the coast to coast has retained. And, um, so, so really, that that comes down to Matt uh, as we continue on here with our slides. That that uh, for regular season play, there is no set conference schedule. So, in most cases, you know, teams have their non-conference schedule, and then they get into conference play. And for you know a, a reasonably sized conference, you know, you got your home game against this team and your road team against road game against this team, and you got, you know, conference play and conference standings. That's not the case in the C2C. As far as scheduling goes, these schools are operating more like independents where they have to create their their whole schedule. Now, uh, we have here on the screen the uh, the standings, even though there are no official re- uh, regular season standings because there's no official regular season conference play. I mean, this uh, it was just, you know, gets probably automatically populated on d3hoops.com. So you, you can see, you know, Conference only games, which are just games played between conference opponents that they schedule uh, on their own. So, in some cases, we do see them play. Like I think um, uh, Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, and Salisbury do play kind of that traditional home and home, like you would expect in a regular season um, uh, meeting. Which makes sense because they're geographically proximate and have that history as the former Capital Athletic Conference schools. Uh, so they they do that, um, but that's just kind of probably to help their own scheduling. Because as you get in and it, you know around the the country, if everyone else is busy with with playing conference games, that makes scheduling uh, you know those other teams very difficult. Um, So kind of one of the interesting things though is so Finlandia was associated with the coast to coast as we mentioned before closing, but they never actually played any teams uh, that are also in the coast to coast. So they they ended their coast to coast tenure having never played another uh, uh, team within their conference. Um, And in some cases, you know, Pratt last year we see just played the one, Santa Cruz played three. Um, So there's no requirement or there's no. Uh, conference schedule given to them by the conference office, like you see in some other conferences.
1: And I actually went back and checked Finlandia They're three years in the ACAA as well. I don't believe they ever played another conference team. So they were an independent leading up to that. They spent now, I think six years before the institution closed in the ACAA and the coast to coast, never played a regular season or tournament game. I don't believe against any of these other schools. So uh, undefeated for Finlandia. I think that's what you want to be. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, really interesting situation in that it's, it's it's all postseason play. It's just designed here to get teams into the postseason conference tournament, win the AQ, and get into the national tournament.
0: All right. So, so that's the case for regular season. So Matt, I think probably that brings up the natural question. Well, how do you, how do you pick a conference champion? You're not playing each other. Well, they do have a uh, conference championship with a minimum of six, uh, or excuse me, a maximum of six teams qualifying for the conference tournament. And since there's no requirement that teams within the conference play each other, there's no sort sort of standings. So there's no way uh, uh, based on the those, you know, kind of traditional seating um elements that we see they defer to the Massey ratings which is you know Matt something we've talked a lot about on this show um so based on how teams rank in terms of their Massey rank is how teams qualify and are seated for uh the conference tournament now the host is predetermined they have a a a rotation for which schools uh, are going to host um, a particular uh, conference tournament in a, in a uh, particular year and that team is guaranteed entry. so the final five um, spots then could would be left up to uh, how the teams stack up in terms of their Massey rating and then seated accordingly.
1: yeah, also important to note teams are allowed to opt out of the conference tournament. so uh, up to six qualified there were just six men's basketball teams I think as of last year so they all would have qualified. Uh, again, we mentioned Finlandia never played so they always opted to, um opted out of the tournament. And for them it was the current tournaments had been, you know, in like Virginia Beach area or uh Santa Cruz, I think was last year's men's basketball tournament, if I have my years correct. And so for them it's a lot of travel. Uh, maybe they didn't feel like that they wanted to participate in that. Uh, the rotation sheet on the Coast to Coast website has been updated, but I believe as of last season it did include Finlandia. So I think we maybe would have seen them participate. Um, some uh, in 2025, 26, or before then sometime they would have probably participated, which I would have loved to see Finlandia play some coast to coast action, but we didn't see. Uh, currently when it comes to men's basketball, only Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, um, Salisbury and UC Santa Cruz are in the rotation list now. Um, and then also Mount Mary and women's basketball. Maybe they don't include Warren Wilson because they're still in that final year of their Division Three provisional transition status. So maybe they're not going to be included until they get that full membership there and are eligible for the AQ. Uh, and probably Pratt. Uh, I'm not sure if they were on earlier lists, but they've announced their intention to leave the conference. So maybe that they are now excluded from future hosting rotations, obviously, because they are no longer going to be in the conference as well.
0: So you you boil it down and really the the conference in terms of, you know, the competitive portion of the conference really comes down to nothing more than a a conference tournament playing for yeah. the for the aq uh matt we should mention we talked about finlandia so the the finlandia women did participate yes. in last year's yeah. basketball championship i uh i don't remember if they were seated fourth or fifth they played it i, th- I believe it was a four or five game and defeated salisbury yeah. in the in the first round so they uh did participate and even advanced so um the lady lions uh showed well there uh in the the final year of the program's history okay so, but again back to uh Back To the, the kind of the question here, what's the deal with the C2C? It seems like, uh, you know, it, it seems like they're really a bunch of independents who have figured out this loophole to maintain their own uh access to the uh the pool A without having to worry about the access ratio and if there's going to be a pool B bid in a given year and fighting for that. So, so the question comes is, is this even really a conference, Matt? I mean, people 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 wonder about this, right? Because it's it doesn't uh, look or act like, I think, kind of the the way we feel like a conference should or kind of the traditional idea of uh, what a conference looks like or how it how it behaves or how it's scheduled and all all those kinds of things. Um, but in defense, and I will admit at, at times I've kind of felt that way. But in their defense, there are are ways that um, they do act like a conference and and contribute to the student athlete experience that are uh, not as frequently recognized by by the general fan. So those would be things like um, like student athlete experience in terms of having player of the week awards. We always see conferences name like a player of the week or a freshman of the week or whatever. Uh, At the end of the season, all conference awards. Right. And then we've also also. previously talked about conference championship experiences. Um, you know, so these, uh, this isn't just like, you know, necessarily taking a trip down the highway it, it, this past season, you know, we saw men's basketball head to Santa Cruz, right? So all those teams went out there and that's a really different experience than um, what you kind of get in most conferences. So they still get that uh, conference championship experience and then the access to the national tournament via Pool A. Um, and it, so those are pretty front facing for fans, but even less so, Matt, would be representation division three legislative affairs, right? So every year there's a division three convention where proposals are brought to the table, discussed, voted on. And those aren't, uh, th- that doesn't happen on an institution by institution basis, right? So you see like a list of proposals, and oftentimes it would be either uh, brought to the table by one of the the committees, like maybe the Management Council or President's Council, something like that, or by a conference. So when we talk about, well, you know, th- these are more like independents kind of working together. Well, you no, know, it is important to have a, a conference and conference affiliation because it gives them a seat at the table uh, in in these legislative affairs uh, th- uh, that are really important in shaping kind of the future of Division Three.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I think that's an important point. Uh, It's also, you know, usually there's something that ties a conference together, whether it's geography, whether it's institutional mission uh, or similar types of institutions. I don't know that what's important to Christopher Newport when it comes to athletics is the same thing that was important to Finlandia or important to Pratt or some of these other schools. I think there's maybe some disparity there. Um, So I, I, I think you're right. I wouldn't put too much stock into the idea of like, they're doing this for a pool, a bid, I think. And, and if you go to the FAQ site on their um, athletics webpage, there's a question, what is our goal? And the answer is to stabilize our membership and to retain automatic qualifiers to the NCAA championships, to prepare our teams for NCAA postseason. They want the pool, a, they want to keep members high enough to get the pool. A, I think all this other stuff is important too. Um, but I think that's what they want. Um, I think it's also, I mean, it, this is all fair. They're following all of the conference rules. There's no rule against what they're doing. And to quote air Bud, there's no rule that says a dog can't play. Right. So you can make a conference this way. That's fine. Um, it's also fair for us to kind of make fun of it and say like Finlandia spent three years here and was zero and zero in the regular season and zero and zero in the postseason. like great conference camaraderie you have there. Um, But yeah, the the cool thing, I will give them credit. I think the kind of destination style conference tournament is probably cool for the athletes. If you're from Virginia and you get to go to Santa Cruz, California and play a tournament in that G League arena that's there, I think that's probably cool. That's a cool thing to do. Uh, That's a good experience. Um, But like some of these other weekly awards, does that mean as much when you're not playing these other teams? So like I a guy from Santa Cruz wins it one year. Like, do you care if you're from Mary Washington? Like, we never played against that guy. We didn't have a chance to shut him down. We didn't have a chance to uh, get our own guy to score 20 in that game. Um, so I don't know. I think there's some give and take here. I think it's, I, I will probably choose to continue to kind of poke fun at it as, as, as a quote unquote fake conference, even though it's not a fake conference, uh, because that's kind of a fun, it's kind of fun thing to do. Um, obviously they get to keep the pool A, but um, I, I don't know. For me, it's a little bit of give and take.
0: Yeah, I think I've decided I'm g- I'm gonna just be neutral about it. Like it's fine. I I don't I don't I don't think it's a model that's uh you know, should be replicated necessarily. But hey, if that's what they feel like they have to do or works, then then that's fine and uh, uh, whatever. I, I'm I have other things to worry about. I'm not going to worry about <laughs> the coast to coast conference and whether it's a real conference or a sham or whatever. So, but Matt, we made reference to Finlandia has closed. Pratt has announced their their intention uh to leave the conference uh warren wilson is currently in the provisional process so the, the the question um is begged to be asked like what does the future hold because as you mentioned with the acaa there's been a lot of kind of like coming and going and and even though the uh, you know the faq the mission uh, you know is all about stabilizing membership it doesn't seem like kind of the the uh just you know, pre C two C era era to the current C two C era has really been marked by stability in any regard. In fact, it seems to have been marked by instability, and that's the reason we're even here in the first place. So, the, so the question is like, what does what does the future hold? Um, with Pratt leaving, we're heading towards just five members competing in men's sports in 2024, and that's mm-hmm. even counting um, on Warren Wilson um, in in their in the provisional pipeline. And that's a big deal because if the point is to maintain that pool, a automatic bid access uh, falling to five members in men's basketball is a big problem.
1: Yeah. There's so that once you fall below the threshold, there's a two year waiting period, a grace period for keeping your automatic bid. If you have not fixed your membership numbers after that, then you lose the pool. A um, and you have to follow the steps to get that back. So you'd have to get your numbers back up have another two-year waiting period to get your Pool A, and then you'd retain your access. So um, y- when you lose it, you don't just lose it for one year. You lose it for probably a minimum two years uh, while you while you fix that. Um, so I think they're on pace. Yeah, fall of 2024, if they do not add membership, that's that's where they'll be. And I think, Zach, um, that's an issue in men's basketball, but I think in women's sports is an issue as well because as we know, six, sport, uh, six teams is the minimum to retain a automatic bid in a particular sport, I think your conference still needs to have seven members at the conference level to count as a conference. So if, if they dip below um, just six full-time members, uh, even in women's sports, uh, I think that the, that whole conference for all of their sports is uh, at risk of entering that probation two-year waiting period and then maybe losing the automatic qualifier. So they're, they're probably going to have to um, do something here in the next year or two, or, um, you know, schools like Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, Salisbury uh, and, 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 the whole, the whole, the whole gang there is, is going to maybe lose a uh, pool a tournament access.
0: Right. And, and, you know, you, you don't know really what the future holds or what kind of, uh, each institution is looking for, but I think there are some interesting opportunities out there that are worth considering. Um, I think the, f- the first thing that could be a really big deal. For the coast-to-coast Coast conference is uh, the new requirement that came out of the Division Three convention last year that requires teams entering the provisional pipeline to have, at a minimum, a uh, a real offer from a conference yeah. to join. So I I don't think necessarily the coast-to-coast Coast may be the first choice, but at the very least the coast-to-coast Coast can serve as like kind of kind of a catch-all if there's a, a an institution that's looking to make a move to Division Three. You know at the very least they can they can look at this as an alternative to uh to something else um or or teams that we've seen teams in the recent past kind of enter the process as independents and so if they're would be inclined to do this this would be a way to 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 do that um, kind of in the new era um recently it was announced by regent university in virginia beach that they are looking to uh, make a move to division three uh, and they are one of those teams that would be proximate to uh, the, the remnants of the CAC, so to speak. So um, while kind of the coast to coast is marked by a lack of regionality, uh, that, that would be kind of a step in, in the right direction in terms of having um, another member that would kind of help some of those others in that region for scheduling um, and, and also get them you know, to boost their numbers. Now, Matt, there's also the situation going down in Texas, which some people have mentioned with yeah. the, uh, the ASC. Uh, there's been a lot of movement. You've seen some of those ASC teams uh, break away, either go Division II, uh, like uh, Texas Dallas has announced, Sol Ross State has announced, or you're seeing some of them move to the SCAC. Uh, really it's, um, it seems to be a football problem, right? Uh, these other football playing schools are trying to get away from the juggernauts and Mary Harden Baylor, um, Howard Simmons, you know, uh, Harden Simmons, uh, Harden Simmons, <laughs> Howard Payne, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, you gotta get all, gotta get all the names right down there. Um, so, but what's interesting here is so down in the ASC, they really have a football problem, right? Yeah. But the coast to coast could be a solution and because they don't. Uh, for all the other sports. uh, There could be a solution for all the other sports um, at those institutions because the C2C does not sponsor football, right? So they have a football uh, problem. They can can look for a football-only solution and maybe have some sort of... uh, merger with the c2c for all other sports and then you kind of have a situation like like you have the east coast pod with christopher news newport salisbury uh mary w- uh, washington how they kind of um you know can can schedule together then you have the maybe the the southwest pod where the remnant of the asc could kind of work together to to fill out their schedule and then yeah. uh go on from there So. Who knows if that's being uh, looked at, if the, if the institutions involved would even have any interest in that sort of thing. But it's clear that um, there aren't any obvious solutions to a number of problems, whether it's on the ASC side or on the uh, coast-to-coast you know, total membership side. So I think all options need to be on the table.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that the ASC and the C2C have at least talked about it because, like you said, they're both in that... Um, membership crunch. I think ASC is going to be down to five members um, as soon as 2025. So, again, that's obviously below the threshold. Uh, one of the challenges, though, is if they do some sort of merger, you know, one conference would have to merge into the other, right, to retain a pool A. They don't want to form a whole new conference and lose the pool A and go through the waiting period together. Uh, but that means the conference that goes away, let's say they merge into the coast to coast, then the ASC pool A goes away. And if, if there was ever sort of a Texas group that wanted to reform as kind of a regional entity, would have to then go through that two-year waiting period themselves. And I don't know that that would be uh, desirable if they could avoid it. So I'm sure uh, both of these conferences would like to find solutions that don't, but maybe the coast-to-coast doesn't care. They would like to absorb the ASC. Uh, But I think the ASC might like to look for a regional solution if one exists. I don't know if it exists before jumping into the coast to coast, but you know, if you're, if you're one of those five Texas schools left without a conference, Hey, maybe you are looking for some sort of pool a access and you would maybe look to do a a coast to coast merger for a little while. And that would definitely help to stabilize both of them and then give them two, two sort of hubs, like a Texas hub and sort of like a Virginia e-hub of teams. Um, and, And you, you mentioned, you know, the other option is, do you go kind of like the new provisional, new Division three member route, collect all those would-be independents? Um, I think that is an option and something they've maybe looked at doing in the past. Uh, definitely, I think the ACAA was kind of, hey, new members kind of come in here. Um but a school like region is not going to be through that process in time to save the, the pool A bid for coast to coast. So that might be a long-term option. That might be an option to get them more towards the re- If they want to become more of a traditional regional conference, like, hey, do we try to collect these Virginia, North Carolina adjacent type schools, um, Maryland, right? And, and make this kind of regional conference that maybe we, in the future we lose the kind of coast to coast mindset and become more of the old capital. Um you know, a school like Regent would would help, but they need a short term solution. And I think the only really short term solution, um, besides picking off members from other conferences, might might be the ASC. Um, as far as I see it, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you're right. They, there is a need for a short term solution, but there's also a need longer term to yeah. not always be on yes. this knife's edge right. where you know one institution leaving or moving on, making a different decision, closing, whatever happens. You know, yes. things happen. Uh, not always being on that. Uh, that nice edge where their their pool A uh, bid is uh, in danger and, of being lost.
1: And I think most schools, I don't think any school wants to be in this type of a conference, right? I don't think Mary Washington, Christopher Newport, Salisbury dreamed up like, wouldn't it be great if we could have a coast-to-coast conference? They they formed this because the Capitol had essentially dissolved. I don't think UC Santa Cruz loves this, but they they really don't have any other option in sort of the ish Bay area of California. There's like the Northwest conference is too far north. The Skyac is too far south. Um, so yeah, no one, re- I don't think anyone really wants this. They don't want teams joining division three, coming to their conference and then leaving for regional conferences and having to go through this every couple of years. So I would not be surprised if the future of the C2C is uh, maybe a more regional focus. Uh, even if they have some like UC Santa Cruz type add-ons um, or if they if they continue to become more and more regional until a school like UC Santa Cruz can no longer really afford to continue to be part of it, because maybe there is a, a conference schedule at some point, and maybe they have to travel to the East Coast way too often. Um, so I, I would bet this whole conference is sort of a, a short-term-ish type of a thing, unless there's some sort of dueling, um, like hey, Texas does join, ASC does join, and now we have kind of regional hubs within our conference where we can do this sort of mini regular season schedule as sort of independent institutions and try to make trips where we can get two or three games all at once kind of a thing. Uh, I could see that being a long-term solution, but but both sides of that have to agree to that uh, to make it, make it happen.
0: Yeah, I I can see what you're saying, but I don't know that I necessarily agree with the long-term view that it would have to head towards a more traditional scheduling model um given greater regionality you know e- even if it let, let's say regent does join and maybe even another team at that point i don't i don't think that they the conference would necessarily have to force a traditional mm-hmm. conference schedule um you know even if it's to the point where they could by not you still kind of have the provision for a uh, uc santa cruz and and by being a little bit more regional in that kind of uh you know virginia area that eases the burden on the the teams in that area to schedule during the more traditional conference season schedule, instead of having to like front load your schedule a little bit more because teams are available, you know, teams in other more traditional conferences tend to not be available, you know, January, February, because they're playing their own conference schedule. So I I think that they they could kind of keep the same arrangement, but gain a little bit of schedule balance. If, um, if if they do become a little bit more regional, yeah, without I get, having to go without having to go so far as saying, okay, now right. we're uh we're we're going to schedule conference play like a normal conference. I, I don't I don't think they need to necessarily make that distinction.
1: Yeah, I I, don't, I didn't mean to say they had to. I was just sort of wondering, you know, if we do see a school like Regent add if Warren Wilson decides to stay and decide they're close enough geographically, maybe what if there's another school or two suddenly when it comes to changing tweaking adapting the bylaws is there more desire from five or six of the institutions who are now out uc santa cruz six to one or something like that right. to start being more like a traditional conference then does that kind of move the ball down more toward a uh, a traditional model with a traditional schedule not that they would have to but would there be a desire to that for those institutions to kind of move to a more geographic model
0: Yeah. And the other potential wrench here is, you know, we always talk about, you know, there's 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 the winning percentage and the strength of schedule component. Right. Mm So if you're if you're not forcing a conference schedule, who is to say you're Christopher Newport, you know, Regent comes in to the picture. Um, You know, let's be honest, I I didn't know anything about Regent basketball, but I looked up Regent University and they were not very good. Right. Mm So. Um, let's just assume they come into Division Three and at least at the very beginning are not very good. So that would not be a good SOS game for Christopher Newport if if the conference isn't forcing them into conference games. They might choose to say, we don't want to play you because that's not good for our SOS. Check, right? so check that back would in be five being,
1: years when you have a little bit right. more.
0: <laughs> right. So we can talk about how you know these schools might play each other uh, kind of during the traditional conference season because it's convenient for them. But there's also that side where, you know, it, it takes it takes two to tango, right? And if um, someone's looking at a, a team that's struggling and says, "You're going to be a drain on my SOS. I don't want to play you." There's nothing, you know, forcing that game to happen.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think a school like Christopher Newport Men's Basketball now, a conference is a lot bigger than Christopher Newport Men's Basketball, but they probably enjoy, to some degree, having control over their schedule and not having to play a team that they don't want to play twice. Um, I'm sure that's a headache to schedule 25 games instead of having, you know, whatever it is, 15, 14 covered by the conference. Um, But if you can get some of these regional games, you can find other teams that are generally in your area that might want another strong game, then you can get that SOS boost. And I think you're right about that.
0: There you go, Matt. That's the deal with the C2C.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. It's its own... It's its own deal.
0: Yeah, well, and like we pointed out, there there's there's got to be some sort of movement one way or another. It's going to be interesting to watch over the next couple of years because, um, you know, the with membership dropping, something's going to happen. So it's just a matter of what it's going to be. Yep. All right, Matt. Well, we have a uh, a new. Uh, Supporter on the Patreon at the Great Job Team tier. Welcome, Pat Coleman. Thanks for your support on the Patreon and and in all the other ways that uh, Pat has uh, supported us in the past. Um, And also, uh, thanks to uh, all our other patrons who um, continue to be with us. We're so thankful for your support. And um, looking forward to another great season. Uh, If you'd like to... uh, read more about how you can support what we're doing here, head to patreon.com D3 datacast. There's also a QR code on the screen here, which will take you right there. And you can learn more about supporting us and what you can uh, get as a result based on the, the good job team tier and the great job team tier that we have set up as options. And um, I, I think that's it, Matt.
1: I enjoyed this episode. Looking forward to the 2023-24 basketball season, Zach. Looking forward to our episodes coming up. Until then, though, great job, team.
0: job, yeah, team.